Hello, this is Emily Swallow, the armorer from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. This is the way. and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. We have a very special episode for you today, a whole Star Wars celebration in the works for you. And we start by welcoming the CEO of Evergreen Podcast, our network that we're on. Mm-hmm. Very proud to be on. This guy really has us in the palm of his hand kind of done he <laughs> crush us at any time make us or break us right now <laughs> uh, we welcome ceo michael dialoya thank you so much for being here michael gentlemen it's a pleasure thanks for having me it's awesome to have you here i think the first time we spoke with you uh it was like a video conference and uh mm-hmm. as soon as your camera came on we saw star wars helmets and stuff behind you and it's true it's <laughs> like i think we're going to have a rapport with this guy yeah yeah, that was a Luke Skywalker helmet in the background. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and you may see some stuff. It's getting a little dark here, but there's Darth Vader masks thrown about for my seven-year-old and lightsabers and all sorts of things. Oh, some of them have to be yours, Mike. <laughs> Come on. Playing better than I had the purple, lightsa- the purple lightsaber, and uh, we go at it. She likes to fight with the Wonder Woman sword, and I'm with the, the purple lightsaber. So it's, it's I'd say cool. you have the superior weapon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be uh, in the retro roundtable, just talking about Star Wars, a little bit of everything. Uh, we're going to kind of, I think, drill Michael on, uh, you know, his preferences in the Star Wars uh, movie catalog, because uh, I think we've already voiced all of our opinions <laughs> pretty loudly and proudly on the show before. But I also have a list of... Uh, fun facts about Star Wars that a few of which I knew so a lot of which I didn't so hopefully awesome. I blow some minds here with that stuff but then after that we're going to be welcoming from the Mandalorian not only the Mandalorian she's from SEAL Team Supernatural The Mentalist and uh, did some voice work in Castlevania just to name a few of the mm-hmm. things she's done but uh the armorer in the Mandalorian the one who says this is the way she's so mm-hmm. awesome yeah Love the character. We welcome uh, Emily Swallow a little bit later in this episode. So a lot of Star Wars goodness for you coming right up here. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. If you like what we're doing, want to show some support and get extra content for said support, head over to Patreon.com forward slash CannedAirPod or just go to our website, CannedAirPodcast.com where you can click that Patreon link. And uh, start getting that bonus uh, material for just so a few much bucks content. a month. Yeah. So much. <laughs> just posted the 40th episode of the Candair Patreon pods. Nice. And uh, there's a lot of other stuff on there to listen to as well. So go check it out, people. Uh, and then also uh, evercreampodcast.com. Go over there, check us out and all the other great shows that are there. Uh, again, we're very proud to uh, be a part of the network. And uh, thank you again, Michael, for allowing us to be on said network. Listen to your quality podcast, so it just it fit with what we're trying to do on the pop culture side. And uh, you're coming in with uh, Gen X Grown Up and uh, Pop Culture Conf- Confidential. And all these things are just working like magic for us uh, on the network. Good. Well, good. It's really working like magic for us, too. We love everything that's happened mm-hmm. so far and very excited for the future. So thank you again for the opportunity. Is there anything else I'm forgetting, gentlemen? Uh, just one quick little shameless plug is uh, your boys got uh, awarded the best oh. recorded podcast of 2021 uh, by a bunch of our uh, peers in a group called the Scene Snobs. Mm-hmm. So super excited and appreciative of that. And uh, very, got to continue honored. to bust our asses and get you guys some quality content. Yeah, yeah, that, that we are. And a big thanks to everyone over at Scene Snobs because that was quite an honor. Um, you know, we had no idea. We yeah. just, hey, you've been nominated and won. What? what? <laughs> okay. I'm not going to argue. You have listened to Randy, right? <laughs> We're the one with Randy on it. <laughs> all right. With all that behind us, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we go. 
<laughs> All right, Star Wars. Where do we begin? Uh, let's start with Michael. Michael, what's your uh, favorite of all the Star Wars films? I think I'm going to be playing counter here. And I, I would say if I had to rank them, Rogue One for me is just a, a wonderful standoff movie, a fantastic in story and scope. Mm-hmm. Added a whole new flavor and dimension to the Star Wars universe. And of course, I mean, obviously that Vader scene at the end just is a mind blowing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it, you wish you had more of those type of Vader like moments. And then, you know, I'd go back old school, and I think my second favorite's The Empire Strikes Back. Third would easily be New Hope. And then I, and, and this is again, I'm playing a bit contrarian, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, I, that, I bought a whole new TV, and the first thing I played was that opening scene, the battle over Coruscant. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. It's just such a dramatic, dramatic scene. Uh, just fantastic. So Rogue One, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it's a wrong pick. I've just never heard that before. Rogue One is your absolute favorite Star Wars film. Yeah, I think from start to finish, it's just just a fantastic narrative. And, it's a great uh, film. It didn't it turn is. me off to know that everyone was going to die at the end from well, the beginning. I, I wish you could. I wish we could have seen the original movie, right? Because they went back and redid that 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 closing scene. And uh, I think it would have added a different flair and flavor to it. But uh, am I bummed about it? No, because it sets up it sets up the New Hope in just an un- just an unforgettable way. Yeah. You know, watch the movies in the in the in in the, in the chronological order which they're supposed to be played. Um, it's just a, a great, stunning movie. But what I loved it when it finally came on digital. Watched Rogue One, and then went right into a New Hope, and it makes it. A- so much different yeah because vader's kind of pissed in the beginning and you see why (laughs) yeah (laughs) very pissed that in that scene of course i'm not saying anything prolific but my god that vader scene was something else and it never ceases to amaze you can watch it a million times over and uh still just be as uh, thrilled with it as the first time yeah and something about uh that scene i think uh now, again, I'm not the first to say this, but uh, I would totally agree. People have been saying that the scene with Luke Skywalker at the end of season two of The Mandalorian oh, yeah. was a uh, very reminiscent of that Vader scene. You know, just I never realized it until some I saw it, somebody put them side by side, and I was like, "Huh, yeah." I, didn't I mean, even not verbatim, first. but no. but I guess just kind of rage, kind of in both of them. Like when when uh, Luke kind of like grabs in the air like at one of those troopers and just kind of crushes, crushes him inwards like that was pretty bad fucking ass. <laughs> i was too worried about trying to see who it was i think the whole oh time. come on at that point you had to have known i wasn't the sure. green saber the belt buckle the the, the, the lone x-wing, the lone x-wing. <laughs> I, I was in there putting together i'm like is it no is it it is it is i think it is too worried about watching what was happening. I, I mean, I had the same thing for a while, uh, but you know, until the saber came out, and then you saw the the outfit close up. Like, oh, that's 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 Return of the Jedi, Luke. And then to see it was young Luke from uh, Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. that was the better surprise too. I think. Yeah. That actually brings me up to uh, my question that I was going to pose to the three of you is uh, with that cameo with luke where he was cg Mm -hmm. what are your guys's thoughts on cg versus recasting it because i saw like a a preview where they took sebastian stan and he looks dead ringer for a young mark hamill he does but then they have to pay sebastian stan (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah fair enough um i have no problem personally with the cgi as long as it's done well i thought luke was a great example of done well i had no complaints and i was actually surprised to hear people complain about it um i had a little bit of complaints his mouth just didn't seem to move well enough i guess that he was pretty stone-faced there wasn't much Mm. emotion i guess I mean, I get that, but I I think of uh, Rogue One at the end when you see Leia. Now, that I was not happy with. Like, uh, that was some <laughs> kind of butchered CGI. But it, see, in the same movie when they did Tarkin, mm-hmm. he was really He good. looked yeah. amazing. Yeah. He looked amazing. So, I don't know. Maybe it just mattered about the amount of screen time that they actually got. I can't imagine any computer would be able to accurately mimic uh, Carrie Fisher's perfect face. You know, like, <laughs> how could that ever be done? <laughs> What's your take on that, Michael? You know, I wrestle with this because y- you want to be a, a purist, right? And you don't want others to take that role. 
but then understanding that you know there were four people who essentially played Vader in the in the first three movies. <laughs> yeah, right. You get a voice talent, you got the physical body talent, you you got the face in in the third you know the third and final movie uh, of the original. So it depends on where they really want to go with the storyline. And it seems to me at this point that the Skywalker storyline is is probably worn out, at least in in the movies and in the in the in the shows. Hmm. Sure. With the caveat, I don't know what they're going to do with Obi Wan, right? In 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 that show, and is there a younger Luke and, and things of that nature? But my feeling is it just with the home run hit that the Mando has become, got the Bad Batch coming out. I, I really want to see how Ashoka plays out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and her storyline because she she took over in my mind the the, the Clone Wars those last two or three seasons. Oh, you know, yeah. Really became a, an interesting story and dynamic of her. In that final, which it was only, what, last year, it seems like, you know, obviously, we've lived through a decade in the last year, but <laughs> like my my second all-time favorite Vader scene is at the, the, the final when that, uh, the ship crashes onto the planet and they've got all the clone troopers buried with their hats. Yes. And it's snowing and he walks out. It's just a, and it was a different animation style too, which gave it this quick jarring moment. And then uh, it was, th- that was just an iconic, unbelievable scene. But getting back to the question, I would say it's okay. It depends on where they want to go with the story. I, I think it'd be great for, for Hamill to give that character to someone new to live it. Yeah, no, I agree. And um Man, I got to backtrack a little bit because you pointed out that uh, that scene. I totally forgot with, you know, all the troop or all the graves of the, the clone troopers. And then uh, didn't they all on the masks on all their masks? They had painted like her face markings on them. Yeah, it was her regiment. Yeah. 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 And then uh, didn't she leave her sabers there when she left or no? She had lost one in the, in, in the show, but she dropped the other one and he found it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just. That's a wow moment, you know. It's just the whole yeah. world up there to those graves and that ship. It's uh, I kind of relive that one. I just kept on replaying it, replaying it, <laughs> replaying <laughs> it. It just such it was. It really becomes an emotional attachment to a lot of these characters, and the Clone Wars was just such a wonderful series from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, watching Order sixty six happen like that mm, was yeah. oh, uh, from her perspective that was incredible. Uh, it was just all so good, and uh, I don't know. We just needed a little bit of closure with that character. I mean, I know there's more closure to be had now that she, uh, you know, at the end of Rebels, didn't her and Sabine go out looking for Ezra? Yep. Is yeah, that the was... last we've technically seen her in the time? No, 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 no. because that was uh, before. I've heard that that part is actually after what we saw her in Mando. Yeah, that's what I've understood too, that it, that was a cut scene from in the future after Mando as well. So it's so, so like the between seasons where he ages, like he gets older, that's like how much? I have no idea how long it is. I don't huh. think, because I think Filoni confirmed that, that it was in the future, but he didn't say how far out it is. I need to look that up, like confirm that timeline. <clears throat> That'd be interesting. That was so good. You know, Rebels, when it started... I wasn't like all on board with it. it. Ezra was kind of annoying, but boy, by the time it hit like season three or four, I was vested. Yeah, it got really it, good. It, and then that last episode, uh, very much like Michael was saying with the last episode of Clone Wars, I watched that last scene so many times mm-hmm. where she turns around and Ahsoka's standing there. Have you seen it, Michael Rebels? Oh, yeah. No, it happens. I just there wasn't a lot to do during COVID for those first few months, so I, I got <laughs> a lot of Star Wars stuff. I just realized I might be spoiling it for you. So. Oh no, no, I, I was into it. It was a great. I felt the same way about Rebels, and I think primarily because it was on Disney Kids. Yeah, yeah, right. And I, I just felt like, man, I'm in my 40s, and you know, maybe that's not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> But once it once Disney Plus came out, I decided to revisit that entire series, and I, and I watched the Resistance too. And the Resistance doesn't catch me as much as yeah. Rebels did. Was that the newer, like cell shaded looking yeah. one? Yeah, no good. Nah, I just couldn't get into it. They Poe Dameron was in it. And I think that was oh. kind of the big draw to be. Look, Poe's in this, so you but should see, watch. See, that's, it that's too. not a draw for me. I have yeah. nothing against Poe, but I'm really not <clears throat> interested in digging into like the sequel trilogies lore much further. You know? Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. They were Force Awakens was awesome. Last Jedi sucked, and <laughs> the last one was kind of somewhere in between. You know, it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go on that tangent again. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I see the look in Jack's eyes, like, "Oh shit, here we go." Glossing over. <laughs> <laughs> Those were three complicated movies, and. Uh, there's no unifying uh, theme between you know, between those last three that really would have made it. You could have made that last one a really a, a dynamic send off for, for the Skywalkers. And it just didn't happen that way, uh, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Um, I can't even watch that last one because the editing is just so fast and quick and you're going from planet to planet and scene to scene. It's a tough one to watch. When I first saw it in the theater, I was pretty choked up and stuff with all the stuff that happened at the end but i watched it again the other night and then by the end like Endgame, i ball at the end still on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure with star wars oh, i was mean like, like at tony's death yeah that whole thing yeah. when cat picks up the the hand oh yes like yes all of that when they all come back on your left that whole half hour of the movie i'm sitting there just blubbering yeah <laughs> and i was pretty choked up at the end of the last skywalker or what the last jedi the last jedi or or the rise of sky the rise of sky yeah choked up when i saw it came out of the theater but then yeah watching it the other night i was just like yeah i just don't feel it as much no as <laughs> when, when when she said ray skywalker i almost like uh shit in my pants a little bit i could not believe it i yeah. couldn't believe it like i don't know it just doesn't make sense to me like just let the skywalker name go you yeah. know we're in the ninth movie this has completed the arc. The Skywalkers are now all gone. Like, why do you now have to be a Skywalker? Like, when Chua found out Leia died, that was still kind of heartache. And when he fell down to his knees, because yeah. But other than that, yeah, it didn't. It still didn't have the same emotional impact. I don't know. It just seemed kind of sloppy. Like they were trying to cover up Ryan Johnson's tracks from the last one with too much fan service. You know. <laughs> totally, totally agree with that. Yeah. But uh, who wants to hear some Star Wars fun facts? Let's sure. do it. Please. Let's see. Um, did we know that Yoda was it originally was originally going to be a trained monkey in a costume? Oh God, no! <laughs> yes, this was this was originally. Uh, I don't think it stayed on the table very long because as <laughs> I read online, uh, one of the guys kept saying, "Well, the monkey's just going to keep pulling the mask off," but. Um, there are pictures online if you look it up, and uh, this is before Yoda even had his traditional look with the long pointy ears, green and stuff. He had like a long droopy, sour looking face mm -hmm. mask on this monkey, and uh, oh, it was like the, it's the shit nightmares are made of this thing. It, 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 it gave like the flying monkeys and Wizard of Oz a run for their money. Oh, it was horrifying. I have to look at that picture because I wonder if it's the Macquarie uh, concept art because I've got that figure with Obi Wan and Yoda. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, do you have a picture you can pull up? No, not on your phone. I have to look it up real quick. Ah, oh, boy, I would love to see that. I wonder if it is the same thing. I'm not sure. I know he is more of a little old man. I don't think he's quite as green. Oh, it, it could be. Yeah. Little, like, big <laughs> face old man on a little scrawny, yeah, spindly monkey body. How horrible that would have been. Thank God they didn't do that. Um, uh, let me see. Another one here. Okay, Michael said that he has a, a purple lightsaber. This is this would be Mace Windu's lightsaber, one of the coolest lightsabers, if you ask me. Um, but do we remember? Well, of course we remember Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Do we remember uh, what was embroidered on his wallet in that film? No, BMF. Bad motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson claims that his saber that he used, he had engraved with bad motherfucker. I think I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it past him. Right. I mean, that just kind of completes a saber right there, if you ask me. I don't know. What if it's punched leather or something like that, or if it's just engraved into the metal? I don't remember there being leather on his hilt. I think it just always, uh... well, you tell us, Michael, you're the one who owns it. No, this one, this one's, um, it is not leather on the hilt. No leather at all? No. I don't think so. It'll just be etched into it. It makes me mad because uh, when we were at the Power of the Costume, I think they had his saber hilt there from the films, but of course it's not going to be on all of them. It's probably yeah, just on the one right. he took he home, took, but yeah. wouldn't that be so funny to see that on there? Like, what? Son of a bitch. <laughs> I know who this was. Uh, do we want another one or do we want to move on? No, keep going. Yeah, no, keep going. 
Okay. Um, Cindy Williams, who we'll know as Shirley Feeney from Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, had auditioned to be Leia Organa. Oh, boy. Wow. Can you imagine had that had, uh, actually happened? No one can replace Carrie Fisher, but no. let me tell you something. Cindy Williams is fucking fine. <laughs> she was a cutie. Do, do we remember her? Yeah, I, I cannot picture her. Oh, she was buns, so though. cute. She was so cute. What about you, Michael? Do you remember her? I do. She was in a previous film of Lucas, which is why I think she probably... Yes, American Graffiti. That's right. That's okay. right. Which is why I think she probably got an option, you know, at least the, the ability to go in and try. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Harrison was in that too, wasn't he? I'm sorry. Wasn't Harrison was. Ford in that too? Yeah. He yeah, was, he yeah. was. Forgot about that. Yeah, and yeah, uh, Ron, was Ron Howard in that as well? Or am I just thinking of happy days? No, he, he was. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All those fifties movies and shows run together. We'll be Cunningham. <laughs> All right, Jack, let's cover you. What do you got? What? <laughs> Just a Star Wars conversation. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> All right, I'll go with another fact. <laughs> um, I think this is one that most people probably know, uh, that Lucas had considered having Luke turn evil at the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That would have been a mistake. Would have it been? Uh, I'm not saying that they made a mistake going the way they did. He, he say, I think he said he was quoted saying, I realized I couldn't end it that way because, you know, these are overall kids films. But had it happened, do you think the franchise would have suffered from that? Or do you think it would be still as long standing as it has been? I think it'd have, people would have been pissed about it. Maybe they'd have been pissed. They were mad that he threw the lightsaber away. Well, everyone was mad that and uh, Force Awakens. Oh. And that he was just a... Pretty much just the same thing as Yoda was. He shut himself up from the Force and just turned into a crazy hermit. There was a expanded universe comic. I don't know if it was a book, but it was a comic series uh, where right after Jedi, Palpatine was still alive and Luke knew it and they went and found him. And again, Palpatine was like, be my apprentice, be my apprentice. And, you know, Luke had made this decision that the only way he could uh, actually beat him, kind of control him, was to be at his side so he could kind of like try to pull the strings and stuff. So he joined him in that comic for a short time. And I think for a while it was canon, but I, I certainly know it's not now. <laughs> but uh, it was interesting because he had that like great big kind of Dracula collar on his <laughs> black cape and looked pretty <laughs> wicked. Have you guys seen the editions, the Star Wars editions they put on Disney Plus recently? Uh, no what do you mean the old ewoks cartoon from the 80s oh, oh yeah i've seen them but i haven't watched them no. oh boy they're yeah i went back to the original clone wars and watched that over two nights um i think it was on comedy central or maybe cartoon network in the early aughts the the jedi are far more powerful i mean just the whole universe has these just outrageously strong and intimidating characters in a very short story arc, it only was like 16 episodes for two seasons. So, yeah, I, I did go back to that. But I just can't bring myself to watch an Ewoks movie. I can't do that. <laughs> I, I want to watch them because I remember when I was a kid, the Ewok adventure. Yeah. So I watched that so many times, but I know it's it's going to be rough. I, I, I think mean, that was a lot of Jim Henson and they did with that one. Yeah, yeah, they did. And I, I um, which is funny because you think they would have done it in puppets instead of 2D animation, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember watching. I have, I still have my Ewoks um, lunch box somewhere downstairs <laughs> that I used when I was in elementary school. But uh, boy, I don't remember shit about it. I really don't. It was, it was straight up kitty. I know Tebow. He's one of the, I don't know, one of the more wild looking Ewoks from Return of the Jedi. But he's got like a Robin Hood hat and running around, just like a. Sack it was like Muppet Baby esque, right? Yeah, kind of. was it? Pretty much. It was just Wicket princess i don't even remember what her name was and then tebow they were just like three young ewoks running around causing mischief (laughs) (laughs) as ewoks tend to do yeah i'm hoping at some point they bring back the star wars christmas special oh they actually did you see the lego version they did a lego version recently did Did they they really yeah yeah i want to say last couple years yeah it was the stars lego star wars christmas special it was all right I'll watch it. I mean, it'll be interesting. Lego always puts a funny twist on everything. And and it kind of goes with the whole movie series because in the beginning, uh, Ray's teaching Finn force powers. They're pretty much 
so you know he's got the force yeah i i oh, do they so let me ask you this do they still do the horrible song at the end where they take the star wars theme and put christmas music no i don't think they did like leia did this whole song like singing christmas uh words to the star wars theme song. <laughs> no it wasn't like christmas <laughs> christmas and star wars family uh, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. <laughs> what the fuck is going on <laughs> oh my no, god it was kind of like uh a Christmas Carol, a little bit because there's a bunch of time travel. <laughs> I guess it's not. I guess it's like it's like uh, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was fun. I'm sure it was better than the original one. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. All right. Um, here's something that. Well, no, let me start with this one. Uh, R2D2 uh, originally was supposed to speak complete sentences in the original draft of Star Wars. Like he was supposed to have witty comebacks to three uh, PO and stuff. Actually, spoken mm-hmm. versus just spoken. Se- yeah, yeah. And him replying to the comebacks, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, but they uh, obviously didn't go that way. And think about the difference it would have on any of those R units, R two, R four, any of the beep boop droids, mm-hmm. if they actually were talking. I don't think they would be quite as charming of characters. There's no. there's like an innocence to them. I guess kind of like with uh, uh, Grogu or the child, you mm-hmm. know, like. If he was talking, I'm sure we'd all feel different about him. You know what I mean? Sure, so sure. look at Chopper and Rebels. If he actually spoke, it would be a totally different. I mean, you know he's sitting there bad mouthed constantly. Yeah. <laughs> he just always looks droid, fucking but... broke anyway. He's just <laughs> rattling around. But just hearing like, him yeah. say something <laughs> in <laughs> sentences. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be the same effect. That tra- that droid's awesome. Yeah. I would love to, you know how you know Trekkies worked out how to understand and speak Klingon and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And everybody in the Star Wars universe hears a few bloop, 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 and they know exactly what's yeah. being said. I'm like, oh, don't talk like that, R2. I'm like, can we decipher this? Like, I want to <laughs> figure out what is it's being... the same bleeps and bloops that mean a whole bunch of different things usually, too. <laughs> I mean, I know, like, means sad and... Uh, yeah. Wow! Like when he did that, obviously he's excited. So I, I, I don't need those figured out, but the rest of it, I, I could use some help with. Mm-hmm. But all right, um, about one more here. I've only got one more, I think. And this, I saved this one for last because this one blew my mind. Had this happened, it'd been horrible. It was briefly considered that when making Revenge of the Sith, to having young Han Solo in it as like as a child. Okay. And that he had been looked after and raised by Chewie. No. No. Yeah, I'd heard that before. Yeah. I, although I got to say, I like the way that they brought out that marriage, so to speak, in Hot Island and Solo. That's not yeah. one of the more regarded, that better regarded Star Wars movie. But I like that background of how they met. I always knew that, because I remember reading it from somewhere, that they were friends because of, it was basically a life debt between Chewie and Han. And because Han saved Chewie, that's why he was always around. But actually seeing how it came about, that's one of the one of the best things about Solo that I like. raised so many questions as to their relationship if they put that in their past. Like if Chewie raised him, then why are they acting like they're just best friends or yeah. co-workers or like co-pilot? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the relationship would cease to make sense, I think, but... That's one thing that made me mad in The Force Awakens when Han died. I thought Chewie was going to go off the rails way more than what he did. Wouldn't have been cool to see him rage out like old school Wookiee style, ripping arms off and throwing them. Chewie screamed. I thought, oh, shit, here we go. But no, he just kind of shot a bunch of troopers. It was like Hulk and Endgame. They just didn't give us that (laughs) last Hulk out moment. What, do you want him to swing like he did in uh, Return of the Jedi and do the Tarzan thing? Oh, God, (laughs) yeah, that was so retarded. (laughs) That really sucked, too, in Endgame. I know this is a Star Wars episode, but son of a bitch, man. Like, you see Hulk run into the field with the rest of them when they charge, but that's really the last you see of him until it's all over. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me so mad. Like, it would have been cool to see, like, smart Professor Hulk cut loose and tear some crap up yeah. you know what i mean but <laughs> who am i i've got i got one final question for michael mm-hmm. um and i'm sure you probably are but are you familiar with the uh, darth jar jar theory i am uh I, i'm not super well versed but i have read that there's some theories that jar jar was sith mm. uh, which to me makes a lot of sense yes I, he, he was an 
over the top comic foil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But everything he did certainly <laughs> put everyone else at risk. Their lives at risk all the time. And so yeah. and he also gave the casting vote for the the powers to uh, yes. So yeah. I, I I'd like to see that. I've also heard the theory that he ended up on street corners being a clown for kids too, because he was it was broke and destitute at some point. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that even like a novel or something? What yeah, that? I feel like that was like in a extended universe, like novel or something. Or I think so too. But for the sake of all humanity, there has to be resolution on Jar Jar. <laughs> Somewhere we need closure on this character that go ahead i was just say the funniest thing was i i hadn't heard that until recently and then my first comic-con with these guys uh two years ago i was walking the floor and damned it if there wasn't somebody cosplaying as darth Jar Jar. i'm like i know who you are now (laughs) yeah i know why you are All right. If uh, unless anyone else has anything else to talk about Star Wars here, quick. I think we're good. May fifth. Yes. And Revenge of the Sixth. May May the fourth be with you. Not May the fifth be with you, though, right? I guess depends on <laughs> how much you had to drink. Well, I've just Jesus. cracked open my first beer, so I'm not as much as you, it would seem. But there's all that right. editing reel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump to a quick commercial. And then when we come back, we're going to be joined by the armorer from The Mandalorian herself, Emily Swallow. So stick around. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Emily, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to be here with us tonight. It's always so amazing uh, to welcome somebody from uh, just the Star Wars franchise, that world. It's so uh, engaging. We all love it. We've all loved it, you know, as long as we can remember. So it's just an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. We're doing this episode for the May the 4th week. And uh, how how are you? (laughs) I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. No complaints. That's good. That's good. Does this week typically keep you pretty busy now that you're a Star Wars alum? Yes, and I love it. I love all the revelry. Is it like, what do you do? Like a lot of conventions, you get to go to like celebrations, stuff like that? Well, not these days. I have been, conventions have started back up again, which is nice. Um, I will be at one the weekend before the 4th. Uh, but I get to do, there seem to be more, more podcasts and stuff that come along this time of year. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) As far as your role as the armor, I was reading up, um, that when you first auditioned for it, uh, you didn't know what it was really for. And you only got six words as far as the, uh, the direction of your character. Oh, that's a new one on me. Uh, I got more than six words. Okay. Um, Oh, you mean like the description of it? Yeah. Yeah. That actually, yes, that sounds about right. I thought you meant like the uh, the scene that I had was only six words. Oh, no, yes. sorry about that. <laughs> they were in true Disney fashion. They were incredibly secretive. Um, so it said that it it was possibly a, a live Star Wars TV thing. And um, yes, I was told only that she was, I remember they used the word Zen and that she was a leader of a, a group of people in hiding. And that was about it. And that she wore a mask. <laughs> Wow, not much to go on. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you think if you would have found out it was Star Wars ahead of time, that would have psyched you psyched you out more? Or? Oh, I'm sure. If I had <laughs> any idea that it was going to be what the Mandalorian is, I would have been so nervous. I'm. I I remember at the time I was busy. Um, I was in a play, so I was in performances for that, and I was planning my wedding because I got married in uh, August of 2018, just before I, I shot. Um, so I was plenty distracted, which is often a blessing because the more you, 
that for me, the more I know about something, if it is a big deal, the more psyched out I get. And then there's just way too much pressure. So I was blissfully unaware. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> David, did you have any, God, why do I keep saying David? Uh, you know, Michael, I'm, I'm so sorry. The, the podcast network you're on. But I'm <laughs> I swear to God, we were just talking about my friend, David. That's why I keep doing it. I apologize, <laughs> Michael. This is, how, this is the second time I've been on a podcast where they've called me David. I really? Yeah, I must look like a David. And, you know, it's fine. I'm Nothing wrong with that. that. <laughs> Emily, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I, I'm very curious, if you don't mind. How did the role come your way? I auditioned just like I do for anything else. It was, uh, and it, it was so low-key. It was just me in the room with the casting director and the camera. There was nobody else who was involved with the project. And he had me do the scene a few times. And then he asked me to do it with a British dialect because he said that they'd been auditioning mostly British women in their fifties and sixties. So I, <laughs> I truly have no idea how I wound up in that room, but I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> we are too. And speaking of that accent, I had heard somewhere again, don't believe everything you saw on the internet, but uh, that you modeled that after some Lord of the Rings characters. Is that right? No, that's not right. Okay, I'm just gonna <laughs> shut up. I mean, I think I might have. We're uh, it so far. <laughs> in, in hindsight, I can see how there's there's a little bit. Of, maybe I remember doing an interview where we were talking about some of these creatures, creatures, characters who are you know seem to be a little bit set apart and a little bit like there's a wisdom that we sort of put into. I think somebody, not everybody, with a British dialect, but it it helps. Gotcha. Um, so maybe that's what that was in reference to. But when I when I first did it, it was really just because they told me to. And then uh, and then John said that he he did like that. That sort of made her a little bit separate from everybody else. So he asked me to hold on to it. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm just going to shut up now because I'm totally. <laughs> no, I love it. Absolutely. This is great. And you can call me other names too if you want. It's just, you know, why not? How about Let's make you, it a we call you David from now on and Michael <laughs> yeah. stays Michael. <laughs> I'm very uh, curious about something I heard you say on a podcast uh, that the production actually brought in a blacksmith advisor to work with you on like uh, how to move and stuff in the scenes. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. And thank goodness they did because, um, it was so fast and furious when we were shooting it. And it turns out that when you are wearing a helmet with tinted goggles, basically, yeah. and you have on gloves that are about five sizes too big, it's challenging to be, <laughs> to be skilled at anything. Sure. So, I guess that makes um, sense to do that. Yeah. To bring in the advisor? Uh, yeah, because I was like, really? There wasn't that much you really did, but I guess just think about to get it. used to what you're wearing and stuff. Yeah, just for, yeah the basics of like been. of how to how to hold the hammer, you know, how to uh, how much what the the swing of the arc would look like depending on the material that I'm hammering, and then of course they tweaked a lot of that because even if it's accurate, sometimes you want to change it so that it looks really cool. And yeah. um, as an actor, it was just really reassuring to me because you you just feel more comfortable with what you're doing if there's somebody who actually does that, who is watching and can give you tips. But at the end of the day, the thing that gave me the most confidence was that John said, he said, did you see, um, did you see Robert Downey Jr. And, and, you know, all those sequences where he was building his suit of armor. Oh, um, yeah. and, uh, and I said, yeah. And he said, and it looked good, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, don't worry. This is going to look like that. So, <laughs> Fair enough. That's got to be reassuring. There That's are awesome. times, there are times in movies where people are doing things that I know how to do. And I'm like, it's not how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just so you know, sometimes maybe they were doing it accurately, but they just thought it didn't look cool. So then they had to go with the like, well, well that's what true. Looks they better. put a little extra flair in there or something. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, what's it like working with Fabri? He is a genius and one of the nicest people I have ever met. I think one of the reasons that the show is so good is, is not just because he is, I mean, his mind is brilliant, but he's so good at drawing the best out of people. And he does that because he is so gracious and so generous and so curious. He really, he wants to know what you have to bring to the table and he encourages people um, to bring, I mean, I, I remember what was one of the things that was so striking to me was to see how he talked to all the different directors and he had, he had directors who were very unique in their styles mm -hmm. and he really encouraged them to bring all of that to the table. 
um, but also just built this community and made sure that everybody was on the same page in terms of what story we were telling. And so everyone could do their best unique work um, while still being in the right world that we were creating. Oh, cool. Very I cannot cool. imagine being, uh, you know, on that set working around those people, you know, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. Yeah. I mean, didn't uh, George Lucas even make an appearance on set at one point? He did. He came by uh, on John's birthday. And that, I mean, that just blew my mind to stand there and and watch this man talk who had, uh, you know, created these stories 40 plus years ago. And to see that they're still going and the technology has just gotten better and better, but people are just as passionate about it as they were at the beginning. It's really remarkable. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine because I've also heard you say you were a fan of Star Wars uh, since you were a child. So to Mm -hmm. actually be in that moment, appreciating it for everything it is, it's got to be surreal. Yeah. One of those where you just keep pinching yourself over and over. (laughs) The closest somebody walks by and they look at you and they're like, yeah, right. Have you been to this, the Star Wars Disneyland experience they have? I have not. No. No, we neither have we. We yeah. want to go, but uh, it seems like it'd be cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I've heard it. My family great. and I were supposed to, but then COVID. So that kind of got backlogged. Yeah. Because how many COVID. ideas have, have now you have to say, well, we thought this, but then COVID? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too many to keep yes. track of. That's for sure. Jumping backward a little bit we uh, kind of touched on the armor uh, just your whole costume actually and how uh kind of cumbersome it was you know having the tinted <laughs> uh visor and all the weight you must have had on you not only with uh you know like the shoulder pads all the leather but then the big uh, fur on the back and of course the helmets uh, is did you find it difficult uh how to word this this is a hard uh, question to get across for instance we uh, had cj graham on the show who was Jason Voorhees. And we had a conversation with him about conveying his point without the use of uh, his face, mm-hmm. I guess. So uh, did you find that at all challenging to uh, get your point across what you were supposed to do without uh, facial expression, stuff like that? I loved that challenge. Um, and I, it, yes, it was challenging, but it was such a good one and so different from how I operate in real life, because I am very, I'm somebody who's constantly moving. I use my hands all the time. I use my face a lot. Um, My mom always says, I love your facial expressions, which just makes me think I must be mugging the scene (laughs) to death. But uh, it was such a delicious challenge to have. And it, I, my background is in theater and I had done a lot of mass work in theater. So that helped, but it's a different thing when you're on camera, because when you're, you know, when you're doing theater, the the audience can see you the whole time. There's no camera that's like just focused on one person now, and then they go over to somebody else and then, you know, pull out for a wide shot. Um, So you don't know when the focus is on you. You don't know what shots they're going to choose. So it was a real lesson in trust and in experimenting. And um, we were shooting the first and the third episodes at the same time. Those were the first ones we shot. And it was a collaboration really between the directors and between all of us who were wearing Mandalorian armor to just see what translated, to see what read as too big. And we found out really quickly that any extraneous movement was distracting. You know, it's sort of like, sort of like a magician. You have to, you have to be looking at the right place the whole time or else if the magician fidgets uh, unnecessarily, then you're going to see how the the trick is going to be revealed. Yeah. So, and in the same, you know, and that's just the story that the magician is telling. And in the same way, it was distracting from our story. If there was like, when I was walking, just walking across the room, I couldn't take the time to look down because it would be this huge gesture and it would look clumsy. So I I had to trust a lot that I wasn't going to run into things, which didn't mean that I didn't run into things. Um, And there were plenty of times, especially I remember when, when Mando and I were both sitting down at that table where we would, we were leaning forward and we'd hit helmets against each other. And there, there's some comedy to be had in the, the outtakes from some of those scenes, especially when a bunch of us were crammed in that tiny little armor forgery. What would you forge? Armory. Uh Forge, armory, hovel, whatever. (laughs) Um, But it it was so fun to, to unwrap that and to discover what that language was. And it was, I mean, Deb, Deb Cho and, uh, 
and Dave Filoni were just instrumental in helping us figure that out because they gave us that feedback in real time so that we knew if we were indeed communicating what we were trying to. That's amazing. What a process. What a challenge. I wish I'm glad there are people out there like you who can do it because I don't think I'd be able to pull it off. <laughs> How dark were the lenses on those visors? Was it just like sun sunglasses or was it? They were like sunglasses, but then the lighting in that mm -hmm. room that we were in was also really dark. So yeah. it was That's like sunglasses on top of sunglasses. Ooh. Wearing your sunglasses in a nightclub would be. There you go. <laughs> Uh, here's another question for you uh, regarding the helmet again. When you are doing your scenes and saying your dialogue, what we're hearing in the final episode, is that actually what's being said and recorded underneath that helmet or are you doing mm -hmm. VO work afterwards? I did do some afterwards, but they have a, a mic in the helmet. Um, so they recorded everything while we were doing it. And then most of what I did afterwards was uh, really script changes. They decided there were some things that they they wanted to word differently. And then I did, I put on, I think that I put on the helmet to do that. So I was like in a voiceover booth wearing this helmet and, and wow. recording so that it would sound the same. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Incredible. Inquiring minds would like to know, what was it like to see Baby Yoda on the set for the first time? Oh, my. Oh my gosh, it's so stupid because you know he's a puppet, but he's just so cute and you feel like an idiot. I mean, whoever came up with that design is yeah. a genius because he's just the right mix of, you know, looking like Yoda, but being so cuddly and adorable. And um, and the puppet is indeed cuddly and adorable. Not quite as decrepit as Yoda. Was <laughs> right. it tough at all keeping it a secret? No, because I like surprises. I'm pretty good at keeping secrets. Um, so and me. I think I was, you know, I, I was told to say so little. And I was convinced if I did, a Disney drone would come shoot me <laughs> or something <laughs> at okay. any moment. So I was okay with that. Although there was, I guess, before the show was announced and before, so before I was attached to it, I had told my family and my nephew, who was around seven at the time, told his friends at school and I freaked out. I was like, mom, I can't believe it. And she was like, who's going to believe him? He's seven. <laughs> and he's saying, oh, my aunt's in Star Wars. Everyone's going to be like, oh, of course she is. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and that's when the droning started. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So then my nephew got shot by a drone. <laughs> Something you mentioned earlier, uh, and I guess we're kind of touching on with the the killer drones, is just, you know, how <laughs> secret stuff had been kept during the production of this uh, film, or excuse me, the series. I'd never really seen anything like it. I mean, to the point where they didn't, you know, market the child merchandise until after you saw it on screen, you know, that they could have cashed in big time, but they didn't because they didn't want it to leak. Yeah. I mean, not that. Yeah, I'm sure they're in, they're but... really hurting from that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they just made no money. No, that's not what I'm saying. But uh, you know what I mean. Just every yes. typically, like when like Endgame came out, like everybody knew what the characters were going to be and what they looked what like looks based like, on yeah. like action figures and merchandise being leaked onto the, the internet. So it was just amazing how they kept such a tight lid on that. But as far as when that comes to you, then. When you're doing your scenes, are you doing them just out of context? You just know what's happening right there. Do you? How much do you get to know around what's happening uh, with your scenes? Mm -hmm. um, I got the scripts for the episodes I was in, but I didn't. I didn't get to read any of the other scripts, so I knew what was happening in the world of that episode, but I didn't. And I, and I, you know, I asked questions that I felt were pertinent to the story I was then needing to tell. So I knew what happened to him to an extent in between the times that I saw him. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty tight lipped about that. And um, to the extent that I had to log in every time I wanted to look at my script and I couldn't print the pages, I had to wait till I got to set and have them handed wow. to me, which is interesting when you're trying to learn you right. know, your dialogue, right. <laughs> um, you have to come up with creative hacks so yeah, that there I could ask questions and and for the most part, when I asked questions about stuff that was going on, they told me because they do want to help you do your work as an actor. But uh, but when I when the series came out and I got to watch it, I I got to be just as surprised as everybody else for a lot of it. There were a lot of a lot of things I didn't know, which was pretty fun. That's yeah, awesome. I would imagine yeah. so. You see yourself, but have no idea what the story is around it until you're sitting. Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, right. Truly, 
Well, I didn't even understand while I was shooting it what a big part she was in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, she doesn't show up that much. And it wasn't until I sort of saw how that fit into the the greater scheme of things that I realized that, oh, the armor is kind of a big deal. Okay. (laughs) I hope we get to see her again. I really do. That would be so cool. She was an awesome character, a very standout character. Loved her. So me being a huge fan of the, not only your work on Supernatural, but The Mentalist, but also on uh, the Castlevania series on Netflix, uh, where you portray another um, Brit what's that I get to be another Brit (laughs) I won't ask you about Lord of the Rings this time but um but what was it like recording for an animated series like that was it weird for you did you kind of have to do something different it's a you know it's different just by virtue of the fact that you're you're not on a set you're just in a, a studio and for the most part I was in a studio by myself I usually didn't get to record with the other people in the scene sometimes they would be uh, I could hear them, you know, they mm. they were somewhere else and we were recording at the same time. And sometimes it would just be somebody else reading those lines. And that that was another thing that was such a, a delicious reveal when I found out what it actually was, because I had been cast in it, but I didn't. And I, I knew what Castlevania was. Mm-hmm. I knew what the source material was, but it wasn't until I got there to record my first day and they showed me this um, little animated sequence of what it was going to look like. And it just took my breath away because it was so stunning. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. that was helpful. Yeah. And that, uh, that definitely fueled some of the work that I did, but yeah, it is sort of a weird thing. And cause you, you ultimately don't know what the final product is going to look like, but well, it's and still. It, and and not ahead. being able to play off somebody as well. I, I would imagine. Yeah. That's hard. It's just not as fun. I mean, I trust, you know, all the work that they do in post and they put it together and it's great, but it's just so much more fun to me to be collaborating with the other actors. Sure. I'm just naturally curious if you immediately thought that the Mandalorian was going to become the cult. It just became like a cult hit right away. You expect such a a thunderous reception for the no, show. No, not at all. And not because I didn't think it was good, because I, I thought it was really good. I thought, I mean, I had tremendous faith in the people involved with it, but you just never know. Um, and I know, especially with Star Wars, there can be a very strong reaction either way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how it would be received. And again, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad for that. So much of it has just been this wonderful surprise. And In fact, I shot all of my work for the show before it was ever even announced. So I didn't even have any of the anticipatory hype to think about when I was shooting, um, which was great. It was it was easy breezy. Awesome. Yeah. As far as uh, working on set, any any moments or or just funny things that happen that uh, stand out in your memory? The funniest thing to me was was what I already what I already mentioned about how we would just bonk helmets and (laughs) it was like a three stooges sketch half the time. (laughs) And which, you know, especially because those scenes are so serious there, he's bringing her the best scar and then the fight breaks out with Mm -hmm. these macho Mandalorians. And so you're in, you know, you're in this moment that's like really intense and there's all this tension in the air. And then you just like run into somebody. It sort of, sort of spoils the mood. Right. Right. <laughs> Hard to recover from that. <laughs> I, I do have one kind of just hypothetical question. If cool. you as your armor character could interact with any other actor from the Star Wars universe in a scene or a couple scenes, any idea who that would be if you had a personal pick? Well, I feel like the armor and Obi-Wan Kenobi need to meet because I think that they could share some stories about these young upstarts who don't always listen and who want to venture out on their own, but who have these greater missions that they need to fulfill. I think that they could kvetch a little bit to each other. That'd be awesome. Be a lot of wisdom in one room, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it (laughs) Or it might just be really obnoxious to have the two of them talking. (laughs) Just so pretentious. (laughs) Odd couple in the Star Wars universe. Bunch of hello there's and this is the way he's going back. Yeah. I feel like the luckiest kid at the playground to get a catchphrase like that. I mean seriously yeah. Yeah. Pretty awesome. it's, it's so freaking cool yeah. it's got to be surreal i can't even imagine 
Well, very good. Emily, this has been so much fun. I want to thank you uh, for taking time to uh, humor us today. I'm sorry we've oh, been fumbling pleasure. through here, but we are just a little <laughs> nervous. We have Star Wars people on here. It's, it's always, oh, it's always awesome. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. You guys are fantastic. Even if you didn't call me David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and once again, that was our uh, conversation with Emily Swallow. Holy shit, I don't think <laughs> I've been so nervous uh, in a long time. But I think you have a good point, Jack. You know, we rearrange and have the monitor over here. Yeah. And it's sitting a lot higher than us. So maybe it like gave her like a sense of like superiority over me. Looking down <laughs> over us. Like maybe if I put the computer down on the floor and I was looking down on her, I would feel better. Maybe. Hey, hey we know how Mando felt when they tried to start shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But Michael, I want to thank you uh, for being here today, talking Star Wars with us, talking with Emily and uh, just hanging out. It's been a blast. And uh, we're so honored to be on uh, evergreenpodcast.com. It's a great network, a lot of great content. And uh, every time we talk to you guys, we just get more and more excited to be a part of this. So let me ask you guys a question. So sure. it's, you know, you're new to the network, you know, your feelings and, um, your expectations of working together on, on building some podcast powerhouses. Oh man. I mean, we're very happy to have joined the network. Very happy. It's uh, I mean, well, it's something we've been wanting to do for a long time, yeah. time and been wrapped up in a lot of uh, unprofessionalism. Uh, here, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But, Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, you had no way to know that, um, you know, it just comes from experience, but uh, we just feel very happy and safe and like we're working with like-minded people this time around. And as far as expectations, I mean, I guess I wouldn't even really say we have like super big expectations just to grow the relationship and see what happens, you know, working together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, we don't, we're not sitting here being like, well, if they don't do this for us in a year, <laughs> not we're famous gone. yet. I'm not famous yet. No, because we know this isn't that kind of a business, you know, like we're working together to, for a common goal. So, you know, we're just excited to be on the team and uh, excited to see what we all can work together to accomplish. I think it's so hard as far as like, you know, being a, a an independent podcast, you we're on year eight, you guys are anyway you put so much into your show and it's, it always seems like there's a bottleneck of getting the word out about the show and like people Mm -hmm. listening to, you know, that quality content that, you know, we bust our ass to put together. And um, it's awesome to have a network like Evergreen to be able to kind of have that backing, that Mm -hmm. professional production and kind of that support to help kind of give us a shot in the ass and help get us out there. Right. Well, I hope you guys join us. We're, you know, looking at, buying a new uh, studio we put a bid on a building and it got accepted and so we're just going through we're dragging through the whole ritual of buying this thing during a pandemic but it it's going to have multiple instead of a single studio that we have now we'll have five oh wow recording suites and we're planning on a green screen and doing a you know number of other things to you know help support you know podcasts like yours you know maybe you can come in yeah, do a couple shows. Oh, I'd love Definitely. that. Yeah. That would oh, yeah. be freaking awesome, yeah. Well, then we'll start booking your dates now, my friend. <laughs> yeah, just let us know. Where, us... where are you guys at? I know you're here in Ohio. Cleveland, Cleveland. Right? That was a Cleveland. We're up in, yeah. We say Cleveland. I mean, the studio's in Lakewood. I live in Lakewood. Our main investor lives in Lakewood. <laughs> a lot of people live in Lakewood. But we got approached by someone who owned a bunch of radio stations in town. He's like, I got this building, and... I paid X for it and I just went out and then, you know, no one's used it for quite some time. And so we went down and took a peek and it's gated because after 9-11, all radio stations had to be gated. So it's a completely gated building near downtown, kind of tucked away. People in Cleveland have driven by it a million times and would never know it's there. So we're kind of like hiding in plain sight. So we're pretty thrilled about the whole thing. I'm excited, man. That'd be freaking awesome yeah. to actually come in and record in like an yeah. official podcasting studio. I'll yeah. come in, sit down, and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no oh, setup and yeah. checking. Well, I guess we'd have to do check levels and stuff. But that'd be amazing. We'd be. We'd love <clears throat> to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we we make tiles for every show that's on the network, and unfortunately, no one's been able to see them because. You know, and they're they're like, you know, two by two feet tiles with your banner printed on them. We hang them up in our office. So I hope that you guys sign that 
when you oh come. yeah oh, absolutely yeah it'd be great we'd love to have that to practice my autograph <laughs> jeez <laughs> i thought you already have been <laughs> oh my god no it's it's uh, been really awesome uh to be on this network again everything so far has been really just really cool and exciting just everything we've been talking about setting up the merger to megaphone has been amazing you know now hearing the ad placement on the episodes that's cool too like mm-hmm. just step by step it keeps getting better and better and like uh I, there's not a downside here <laughs> that I have seen. Like there's nothing, it's just a great relationship. We love it, man. Yeah, we're playing with some new tools that we're going to slowly bring out to the market with our hosts and other shows that we're tinkering with in our like little mad laboratory. And then, and that we, we want more host driven uh, services. So you guys can pick and choose what you want. And in fact, we, We've been trying to align ourselves with a group that handled national podcast tours. Ooh. COVID. And, you know, part of our dream was that each of the channels, you know, history channel, pop culture channel, sports, would then go out and do these mini tours. Oh, that'd be so fun. Oh, Evergreen yeah. Banner, too. And I, I think we're going to layer in some new technologies to help with discoverability and, uh, and certainly revenue because that's the end game for everybody. But yeah. We, we, were, we were thrilled when you guys reached out. I know it was a quick decision on our part to say yes. And then there's like a little lag where we're, <laughs> we're trying to bring on so many shows at the same time. And I think you guys have seen that, like the, the, the homepage has just grown dramatically. Yes, it, it has. And it's just, I'm glad to see us on the new and trending uh, yeah, category yeah, there. Yeah, That's, that was, fun. it's yeah. added exposure. And now that we're coming out of uh, COVID and quarantine and stuff, we can start getting out into the world and uh, promoting ourselves and the network. And yeah. It's just uh, nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. knock on wood knock on wood but rock and roll (laughs) rock and roll indeed man thank you for uh, everything man gentlemen it was a thrill I didn't wake up today thinking I'd be talking with the armor (laughs) so like Christmas in April. Christmas yeah. in April. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, good. We're glad you're excited. And I'm glad you, uh, boy, you, you were a lot more well, better spoken than I was. So <laughs> thank you for picking my ass up off the ground there sometimes. <laughs> All right, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com or you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, get some merch, see some of our YouTube videos. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once again, you can find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And I totally uh, forgot to tell you guys, you can also find uh, uh, Evergreen Podcasts on Instagram at stream evergreen. And you can find Michael on there at uh, M, can I, should I just spell it out rather than say it? I think M D E A L O I A. Correct. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So check him out on those platforms as well. And, uh, can't, I well, I guess Jack already said candorpodcast.com. I was going to say evergreenpodcast.com. Check us out there with a bunch of other awesome shows. Uh, game fixes on there. Some of our old friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when we were starting to record podcasts, when we were on Wizard World back Con Radio, that was a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. Oh my God, it feels longer ago than I think it actually was. But we've been doing a lot of shit, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else, gentlemen, before we go? Just uh, you know, hey, if you like what you're hearing, check out our Patreon, and we're mm-hmm. we got some amazing content on there too. Uh, some really the funny episode that just dropped about us talking about some crazy things that have happened to us and i'm I'm pretty sure jeremy may or may not be on america's most wanted you'll have to listen to the episode to find out but you know it wasn't that bad (laughs) the crime wasn't that bad if anything my fire would have been worse you didn't burn a house down i stole a nascar blanket (laughs) so take that shit out of context people and wrap your head around that patreon.com forward slash candare pod and i think That's going to do it this week. So uh, may the fourth be with you. And until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And I'm David. (laughs) (laughs) He did it. He did it. He did it. (laughs) One last thorn in my side there. (laughs) Sticking it to me. Sticking it to me. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Well, thank you, Michael, again for being here. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Always remember to be excellent to each other.
a dog. Hi, puppy. Nice puppy. Oh, no. Don't run. It'll only make things worse. What? Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Okay, this Let's is going to be inserted to a uh, episode, so I'm not going to have like a great big introduction that's going to be pre-recorded. We're just going to jump right into the interview, okay? All right, let's do it. And David, if you uh, want to like say something, feel free to just chime in. Please don't feel like we have to address you if you want to Raise your ask. hand. <laughs> <laughs> David present, can I talk? <laughs> or not David, Michael, I'm sorry. Michael, Michael present, damn. Why did I say David? We were just talking about my friend David. Going along with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, why does David look so confused? Oh, that's not his name. Oh, I saw the look on his face. I'm like, man, what's wrong? I was like, oh, fuck. I called him David like five fucking times, didn't I? I'm this sorry. To me before. That's what's so crazy. This has happened to me before. Someone calling me David. I don't understand why either. This has been a Canned Air production. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.